Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that we can, Lord, come together as your body each week and go over it together, Lord. And we just ask that you would speak to each of our hearts by your Holy Spirit now and help me to say what I feel you laid on my heart uh, clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as Christians, we know that it's good to begin our days communing with the Lord. But why do we believe that? And how is that possible uh, for, for those who have to get up and, and get ready and go to work each day? How is it possible with all the stress of life and, and business? Is there really time for us to do that? Well, I believe that we should make time, whatever, whatever it takes to get up earlier, maybe go to bed earlier the night before to get up so that we are not rushed in the morning and can take the time to seek the Lord and to offer ourselves to him, to his service each day. As a pastor, I've had to do many things that are out of my comfort zone, things that I, I don't like. And, and there are many things about being a pastor that are very uncomfortable for me. But there are other parts of being a pastor that I love. One of those things is that I get to take that time each morning with the Lord. I'm so blessed being a pastor because it, it requires spiritual discipline. And I would be afraid actually not to take that time in my role. I begin each day with a cup of coffee and a psalm or two. Actually, I begin with a prayer, then a cup of coffee with a psalm and a devotion. And I continue on with a time of prayer with my wife. And often we have a discussion about what we read that morning in the Bible. And then we get on with our day. And during the day, what I've read in the morning will often come back to me again, sometimes in songs of worship, other times in just a simple thought. And I, I'm able to apply it to the situation that I'm in. Well, last Monday, um, that, that, that happened to me. What I read in the morning in the Psalms, in Psalm 32 in particular, came back to me. And this is how it happened. As my day got going, I was becoming more and more agitated by different circumstances. And I couldn't focus on the usual task on, on Monday, which is seeking the Lord about what I'm to preach on next. I like to know what I'm preaching on on Monday so I can really get my sermons well underway on Tuesday and be able to send the texts off to the people who are creating the PowerPoint or, or reading readers that week um, by Tuesday evening. But that Monday morning, I couldn't focus on what I wanted to. 
I couldn't focus on really um, finding those scriptures because I knew I had some difficult uh, things looming. I had some deadlines actually looming for filing some forms with the federal government. And, and my wife, Maria, had already been working on those forms and was wanting me to join her. But government forms give me incredible anxiety for some reason. And I always get grumpy when I'm working on them. And, and I don't like being grumpy. And, and my wife, Maria, likes it even less. And I was also concerned about many other things. Uh, things on the farm that we're looking after. Um, things uh, like uh, different burdens of life, in investments, liabilities, church issues, problems. I started thinking about all these problem things. And I began to spiral down. I started thinking about why I, I am still where I am and the lack of divine direction in my life. And suddenly I found myself overwhelmed. And that was before um, one of my children phoned and started talking to uh, my wife in the very next room. And that discussion was also um, not very positive and, and it was bringing me down. So just then though, right in the middle of all of that, Psalm 32 came back to me. And the words, for this reason shall all the godly make their prayers unto you at a time when you may be found. When the great floodwaters rise, they should not reach them. They shall not reach them. Did you ever notice that when you pray in desperation, the Lord always seems to hear and act? That's how it is with me anyway. When I pray half-heartedly, it doesn't happen like that. It's, uh, when I pray half-heartedly, I don't get the same results. But the Lord is always there and always acts when I have nowhere else to turn but to him and when I turn to him. And that's why it seems like he is found by us only in those times of desperation because it's only then when we look to him and nowhere else. All the godly make their prayers unto you at a time when you may be found, when the great floodwaters rise. And because God hears and acts in those times when the great floodwaters rise, they do not reach us. Still, it's no fun watching those floodwaters rise, especially when you're already on the rooftop, so to speak, and the waters are still rising with no boats or helicopters in sight. In those times, you don't even want to look at the floodwaters because of all the anxiety they stir up. You simply want to hide yourself in God's care, to 
close your eyes to everything else and just seek him for faith, saying as it says in verse 8 of chapter 32, Psalm 32, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall encompass me with songs of deliverance. And the answer is telling us that we have to open our eyes. Open our eyes and look only to him, acting on faith in him, and he will guide us in the next step. We can't just hide and hope that God does everything for us. We must look to him and work with him. We must do what he says, go at his direction. And he says, I will instruct you and teach you, instruct you and teach you in the ways that you should go. And I will guide you with my eye. So we still have to step out in faith at God's word in those times, at his bidding. And he offers us understanding, but we must go to him first for it and then acknowledge him and his word by acting on what he speaks to us by faith. The psalm says in verse 10, Do not be like the horse and the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouths must be held with bit and bridle, or else they will not come near you. You know, I had a horse when I was younger, when I was on the farm. I dairy farmed um, from 1980 to 1986. And I had a horse, well, actually, it was my sister's horse. It was a big spotted gray Appaloosa mare named Skippy Sue. My sister bought it and left it in my care. And I knew cattle well, but I didn't know horses very well until Skippy Sue came into my life. And as a matter of fact, when she was delivered by the horse dealer, uh, he told me to give her a shot of penicillin as a precaution. So as soon as he left, I got out my big syringe uh, with uh, a two-inch needle, filled it with that penicillin, and I jabbed her in a great big rump. And she sent me flying with a great big hoof, and we were off, off to a great relationship. By the way, you don't inject horses in the rump, even though there's that nice big muscle. Uh, you don't do that. Uh, you inject cows in the rump, but horses in the neck muscle, and Skippy Sue taught me that. Uh, so she was like most horses and mules. She wanted to do her own thing. She wanted her independence while still depending on me for food and water and care. And I allowed her that easy life. You see, my, my dairy cows, they paid their way. They gave me milk for their care, which I sold, and, and that's how I made a living. But I asked virtually nothing from Skippy Sue, except once in a while when I felt like a ride, I'd go for it. And she knew it, but she would rather not. So I'd have to coax her into the barn with a carrot or something else that she liked in order 
to get a bridle on her in order to put a bit in her mouth so that I could have control of her. You know, she had a sweet deal. She had free room and board and health care simply for a ride once in the blue moon. But she had no understanding of me. She didn't trust me. You know, I didn't want to enslave her to serve me all the time and, and wear her out. And even when I did ride her, she would still get the benefit of a nice grooming um, of, her, of her back before I put the saddle on and, and uh, hoof care for her trouble. But nevertheless, she didn't want to serve me. She didn't serve me willingly at all, but she always tried to avoid me. She'd even stay out in the winter cold sometimes rather than come into the barn for fear that I might compromise her independence and seek a ride from her. I want to ask, are, are we like that with God sometimes? Do we not trust God? Do we not believe that he has our best interest in mind when he asks us to do something? When he seeks to speak to us. Do we avoid him? Well, unfortunately, sometimes it seems that God has to use rising floodwaters to get us to come to him for guidance and help. So much better if we live daily in faith, communing with him and understanding him and knowing him and trusting him. He offers us help always. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will guide you with my eye. What does it mean to guide with the eye? Well, it's simply being guided by one who can see more clearly from a higher and better perspective than you can. It is to listen to his instructions when the way is not clear for us to see on our own. It's to seek his instructions. I'm tired of not knowing and trusting God as much as I should. I'm tired of getting myself all worked up by floodwaters rising. It's great that God answers when I'm desperate and cry out to him. But why does it have to get to that? Why can't I live in the peace of God's presence always? Why do circumstances often dictate my feelings, making me either at peace or making me anxious? Well, it's because I'm looking at circumstances more than I'm looking at Jesus. The gospel lesson today from Matthew was about Jesus' disciples in a terrible storm that Jesus actually sent them into as he prayed on the mountain alone. The disciples struggled and were fearful making no headway in the storm. And finally, Jesus came walking across the sea 
to help them. But when they saw him approaching, they thought he was a ghost. They thought maybe this was it for them. They panicked and cried out, but he called out to them saying, don't be afraid, it was he. And Peter, recognizing Jesus' voice, said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter, looking at Jesus, actually walked on water. But when he took his eyes off Jesus, he immediately sank and cried out, and Jesus saved him. Well, it's like that with us as well. You see, Monday, I had to cry out to Jesus because I was going down, and I was going down fast. I had to get my eyes off of the circumstances and back onto Jesus fast. And Jesus was faithful. He called out to me, speaking his word from Psalm 32. Speaking that word to my heart when I was sinking. And that's why we must take time with him in the calm as well. So he can bring back that word in a storm. God promises to guide us, but we must go to him. We must trust him and go to him for his guidance. If we are in his care, as Christians we are, then we especially can't try to avoid him. We can't be like the horse and mule. We can't go on forever enjoying God's blessings, but simply doing our own thing, wanting independence from Him. We can't go on not knowing Him. We can't go on forever being fruitless as far as heavenly things go. If you are His and that's happening, He's going to send you into some storms of circumstances, but he'd rather not. He's compassionate. He wants us to get into the habit of communing with him and depending on him always. He likes it when we acknowledge his presence and his higher and better perspective and ask him for direction. That's what he wants us to do. He wants to lead us. He sees what we cannot. And when we ask for his direction, for his perspective, for his will for us, then he shows us the way to go. He even gets us out of these storms. So go to him often. Go to him when things are calm. And always ask for his perspective. 
his word of guidance. And then when the storm rises, know that that's there for his purpose as well. And it's for your benefit. Be like Peter. Say in the storms to Jesus, Lord, if this is you, call me to join you on the water. But then keep your eyes on him. Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for your word. Lord, keep us faithfully seeking you in your word and in prayer. Speak to us, Lord, through it. Remind us of it by your Holy Spirit, as you faithfully say you will do. Lord, thank you that we have this as Christians, Lord, and help us to use, use these gifts and tools that you give us. And Lord, please help us to grow in our love and trust of you and not seek our own independence from you, not avoid you, but go to you knowing how much you love us so much that you died for our, us and to forgive us our sins on the cross. We, you, you came for that reason, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.